Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast talking about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms in almost every genre. This week, we'll be talking about a new Witcher game, Sony's Game Pass competitor, Andromeda's anniversary, DICE moving on from BF2042, and much more. Like, a lot more. This is a a lot of stuff to talk about. It's going to be a long show. If you are on Discord, please join the show's channel. Link is in the, the description. So we can talk about games, the podcast, sports, and anything else you fancy. So let's jump into the news. A new Witcher game has been announced. CD Projekt Red announced this week that there will be a new Witcher game, not The Witcher 4. And uh, one of the biggest parts of the announcement is that it will be on Unreal Engine 5. We're going to be talking a lot about Unreal Engine 5 this this episode. And with the way things are going, honestly, we'll probably be talking about Unreal Engine 5 a lot for a long time. And we'll get into that. So um, details are sparse on the new Witcher game at this point. Um, the, 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 the things that we know, like I said, are, uh, you know, the Unreal Engine 5 and um other than that it's not much uh it does seem like it's been kind of confirmed that this won't be um witcher 4 uh the Geralt or Geralt whatever his name is is not expected to be the uh protagonist again um it sounds like in the DLC of Witcher 3 his story was concluded very well and um i believe a big difference uh, i'm not super familiar with the witcher um, but it does in in this i know from my own experience is um in the witcher games especially three the 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 branding treatment had like a wolf's head and i believe that represents a certain clan or group from the game um in this preview in this announcement the uh the, the the creature uh, and the, the the shape is a cat, which I believe has significance in the game as well. Now, today, uh, just as I'm recording this on Friday evening, uh, the big news that came out was that um, CD Projekt Red has signed a 15-year contract with Epic, who owns Unreal Engine 5, or the Unreal Engine entirely. They're also who develops and publishes like Fortnite, uh, has the Epic game store and so on and so forth, which is a big deal. Um, there were, they already had their own proprietary engine called the red engine, which, you know, as with all of the issues, cyberpunk 2077 had, which we're going to talk about, um, it's, it seems like it's a capable engine, uh, that, that does like really, really nice, like facial animations and just animations in general. Um, it's very pretty, can do ray tracing really well. Um, and so, uh, this contract for 15 years with, uh, Epic pretty much signifies the end of the red engine. Um, if after those 15 years, they want to make their own engine again, it's going to be a whole new engine because, 
I mean, 15 years, even if that contract was signed this year or last year, um, I mean, that's the next console generation. That's video cards we can't even think about. There's processing power that we're not even imagining yet um, that far down the line. So any games that get made, you know, then won't be working on any engines that are out today, um, even Unreal, probably. So that's a big deal. Um, and some people may ask, well, they have this red engine. They've developed it themselves. They've spent millions of dollars developing their own engine that is capable. Why would they, why would they do that? Right. And the reason is cost because yes, they probably saved a lot of money, um, by using their own engine. And so like when they sell the Witcher through their own store, even, but even on other stores, um, like say they sell through steam. Well, they do have to pay steam a little bit of the money they make from that sale, but they get everything else as a publisher CD project or yeah, it's CD project. And then CD project red, I think is the developer CD project. I think is their publisher. It's a, their system's kind of weird. Anyways, they, they just got, they get most of the profit, right? And so what's going to happen now with Epic is they're going to have to pay Epic a pretty substantial part of their cut um, because of using Unreal. Now, that also means that if they sell that game on Steam, they're also going to have to pay Steam. So so their cut of the pie gets smaller. Now, a, a pretty big thing to note is that when you use Unreal Engine 5, if you when you sell your game on the Epic Game Store, they take much less of a cut than, say, Steam does. Um, and I would assume that if you make your game an Epic Game Store exclusive for PC, then they they take even less of a cut because they want you to use their system or to draw people to theirs, right? So that 15-year that deal is big. Um, and so even though the, 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 the common thread is that having your own proprietary engine is technically cheaper than leasing it from Epic, that, that's not always true because it takes millions and millions of dollars to make an engine from scratch. And, and the biggest thing that people aren't considering is to keep it up. You can build an engine. Say you have, say right now a developer starts from scratch and their goal is to make, uh, say this was, um, let's go back six years and they were making an engine that they started a studio. We're going to make games and we need to make our own proprietary engine. They can, they would look at the hardware that they're going to release this game on in four or five years. And they would say, okay, Xbox one, PlayStation four PC, uh, and, and whatever PC hardware is projected to be around by the time they release it. So they would make that engine and be able to make that engine well to work for that goal. But here's the thing. So they release that game and then they start to work on their next game. And so here's the thing. Say you start work, say you released the game a year ago or two years ago, and now you're starting work on your next game. Well, that next game would be not targeting those old systems anymore. They'd be targeting, uh, targeting the Xbox series X and S the PlayStation five and newer, much newer, much more powerful PC hardware. So now your old engine no longer pushes any of that to the limit. And so you're behind technologically. 
So now you need to upgrade your engine to have ray tracing and DLSS and FSR 2.0 and all of these things that all of the new hardware that you're going to release this next game on, well, your old engine can't do any of that yet. So now you have to upgrade it and you're talking about having to have the right manpower. You're talking about having to have money. You're talking about having to do all this stuff. And so what it turns into, especially for a smaller studio like CD Projekt Red, is now they can say, well, we can we can dump all this money into our engine and make it ready for the next gen. And it may not work out that well, like it did, like it didn't with CV, you know, with Cyberpunk 2077. Um, obviously did some things well, didn't do others well. Or we can lose a little bit more money. We can we can spend a little bit more in the long run. And um, use this engine that everyone is dropping their proprietary engines for to use. Uh, so it seems like Unreal Engine 5, uh, I talked about this on Twitter, it must work really well. It must be very capable. Um, I've specifically had a dev from another AAA studio tell me, uh, we were discussing this, that Unreal Engine 5 is amazing. It's legitimately a really, really impressive engine. Um, and it it must be because it's obviously a money thing but it's also a developing um, development time efficiency you know cost equation as well um because say they tried to use red engine again um you know all of the issues they had with cyberpunk i'm sure they've tried to fix them but here's the thing to realize if they're not using that engine anymore they are bandaging the red engine at this point they aren't dumping millions of dollars into that engine anymore to to fix it because the only game on it is cyberpunk 2077 and they will make no more games on that engine um yeah maybe their card game or something is on there but i i'm not going to talk about that but it that unreal deal is really interesting and i think it's going to become a big topic of conversation because um, obviously Epic is a, uh, an interesting company to talk about. Um, Tim Sweeney has a bunch of his, uh, really interesting, uh, things going on. Um, beyond that there, they are, I believe, uh, I don't know exactly the numbers, but there is a huge, uh, number, um, a huge percentage of ownership, uh, of Epic is with Tencent, uh, which is a state owned, well, probably technically not state-owned, but essentially state-owned, um, gigantic company in, uh, from China, um, who is dabbling all over the place. They don't outright own a whole lot, but they, um, well, they do, they, they, they own the most gaming properties in the world, but, um, they also have like, they, they, they have like, uh, small percentages of ownership in a lot of companies, including like Ubisoft. So, um, I, I think this is going to be a pattern. Um, we've seen this with, uh, Bioware with the next mass effect is going to use unreal engine five, even though EA has been shoving frost, uh, frostbite down their entire, uh, line of games. You know, they've been shoving it down their throats to put all of their games on there with mixed results, pretty much across the line. Even the game that frostbite was designed for battlefield um and even they at least with one game are switching over to unreal engine 5 uh we have you know i i've seen a bunch of other ones um 
uh, games that were already on, like Senua's Sacrifice, you know, the first Hellblade game was on Unreal, probably Unreal 3, I would guess, potentially 4, um, and, and the next one's coming out on 5. Obviously, the Coalition with Xbox, with the next Gears game, will be on Unreal Engine 5. Um, Stalker 2 is Unreal Engine 5, um, which we'll talk about that briefly in a little bit. Um, you know, Epic is... Uh, gonna take over this space I think because even this dev I talked to who uses another engine they are essentially trying to do the same thing you know they're they're trying to do their own thing um, and, and there is an issue with cost with using Unreal um, but I think when you put when you stack up the, the two amounts of cost of, of licensing Unreal compared to building and sustaining and upgrading that's the big one upgrading your own engine you're gonna see a lot of companies go towards the unreal way because either they don't have the resources or the manpower or the talent to do their own engine or to do an engine that can really keep up um and and it's worth the cost um now there is an alternative to unreal 5 um unity has their own uh, engine as well um you'll uh, uh unity is kind of like the dollar store uh engine that's um is used by a lot of indie games uh, myself a fan of haven um, and a bunch of other smaller games have used unity um the biggest game i would say that's using it is probably escape from tarkov and um you know as someone who was pretty into that game for a long time has kind of fallen off but um even when you see statements from the devs and, and, and dev blogs and stuff that it sounds like unity is not a great engine for them, uh, but they're making it work. They're forcing it to work. Um, unity just put out a, uh, a new product or a trailer teaser, whatever, um, for a system very similar to MetaHuman, which is an unreal technology. And, um, it looked good from unity, but there's almost a guarantee it's going to be like the little brother version, right? Cause that's what unity is. It's, it's the indie game darling, which is great. That's a good thing. But at the same time, Epic and unreal have done a really good job of really trying to cater to indies by giving them, um, you know, really good deals on the licensing and stuff like that. So it, it becomes this kind of weird thing where it looks like Epic is going to pretty much uh, take over the industry, at least for a while, um, by putting out a really good product that everyone wants to use and they're willing to pay for it. So, you know, the whole capitalism thing comes in and that's a conversation I won't have right now. Um, the last bit of this Witcher story um, is talking about 2077 Cyberpunk. It's inescapable. Um, and how that's going to impact this next Witcher game. My honest guess is it probably won't. And there's a few reasons why. Witcher um, is their main product, right? Like when most people think of CD Projekt Red, they think of Witcher, especially The Witcher 3. Um, obviously, you know, Cyberpunk has its 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 hold on our mindshare now. Um, but but he, one one of the things I remember learning in college I'm a, I'm a psych major. This is obviously stuff I learned a long time ago, but um, it's proven true in my own life and in my observations is um, humans have kind of a psychological protection system where we just have a habit of remembering good things and forgetting bad things. Um, obviously, that is probably a, 
uh, a uh, like a like a protection system where when traumatic things happen to us uh, our brain at least attempts to forget them and to instead remember things that made us happy or, or good things in our own mind share right and so it's the same thing with games um you know everyone is um you know happy to remember um, you know, the Witcher three and all that. And in four or five years, most people will forget cyberpunk happened around the time that the Witcher, this Witcher game comes out. A lot of people will forget that it was ever a thing. And, um, and that's the way it's going to be. Some people will remember before this next game comes out, articles will fly. Remember cyberpunk and no one's going to care. Um, it's also worth remembering another thing about this cyberpunk sold extremely well. It made up for its development cost in like a week and a half, despite all of the issues, despite all of the clear deceit about the, uh, the old systems, uh, despite the over promising and under, um, you know, under bringing, um, you know, a, a lot of the conversation about cyberpunk turned into, well, bugs will get fixed. And a lot of bugs have been fixed. It's taken them like a year and a half, two years to do it. But the issue isn't the bugs. And for me, it never was. It was the fact that they really tooted their own horn um, and were like, this game is revolutionary. They, they were very, uh, you know, they, they, they hyped their own game up a lot, which is fine. But they really kind of push this like this is going to set the new standard of RPGs. And instead, it's a pretty mediocre RPG that has a pretty good story. You know, it's just another RPG that you should play. It's good. It's not a bad game, but it's not the revolutionary game that they kind of built it up to be. And um, I, I think it's OK that they're catching uh, some crap for that. But it'll go. It'll go away eventually. They don't have to worry. But yeah, so new Witcher coming, CD Projekt Red, having all kinds of interesting conversations about them. No press is bad press is is where I'm sure they're at. Uh, the next story to chat about is Sony's Game Pass competitor may be announced soon. So there's a bunch of rumors going on from some pretty reputable people that uh, as soon as next week, the week that you listen to this show, um, Sony may have released uh, details about their what some some people are calling the Game Pass competitor. Um, it's it's been kind of rumored and talked about uh, this codename Spartacus uh, thing. Um, there's even been you know supposed details about the the pricing tiers and uh, the content tiers put out. Um, I'm not going to get into all that. One, we already talked about it. Two, I, I just there's no point really. Um, the main part of this story is that it's not expected by anyone at any tier of the system uh, that there's going to be day one uh, Sony exclusive games on here. That's in stark contrast to Game Pass, where like its main selling point is all of our first party games are day one on Game Pass for the 10 or 15 bucks a month, whatever it is. And so it brings up the argument or at least the topic of like, is this even a Game Pass competitor? Um, and I would say no, I would say it's not because that's it, it, from what I've seen of the details of these three tiers, 
is it's um, basically like a lot of like backwards compatibility, PS1 and PS2 and PS3 games being available. I'm sure they'll have modern you know, PS5 games available and probably first parties like eventually, um, maybe around the time their PC ports come out. Probably not. I'm sure it'll be sooner, maybe. Um, but it kind of breeds the, the conversation of like, is this a Game Pass competitor? I would say no. And then it kind of brings up another conversation of like, does it need to be? And the answer, at least right now, is probably no. Um, they probably won't put their first party games on there because they don't really have to. Um, you know, the the Game Pass thing, you know, they've been working on that for a long time. And I think the number is 25 or 30 million subscribers right now. So they're, you know, it's starting to pay off. And that's how they're doing it. Sony probably doesn't see a need to do that yet. They are probably perfectly happy with selling everyone $70 games because they know they're going to buy them. They know that even though Gran Turismo 7 is kind of a whatever game, people are going to pay 70 bucks for it because it's a Sony product and people believe in their Sony products. Um, you know, this, 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 uh, for spoken when it comes out, you know, it, I, I have suspicions that game's going to be pretty whatever. And it doesn't matter because it's a Sony exclusive and the people are going to buy it and it's going to make its money back. It's going to make a ton of money and they'll probably make another one. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, it was a sequel. It basically just improved upon the previous one. Good game, not an amazing game. Still going to sell like crazy because it's a Sony game and that's what they do. And so, you know, yeah, like... so I don't even feel like it's a Game Pass create, uh, competitor, and I don't think it's meant to be, and that's fine. But I think um, until Xbox really closes the gap, and they'll probably never close the gap in console sales, but in, in revenue or mind share or whatever, until that really happens... Sony doesn't feel threatened. I think they should. I think Sony should feel more fire under their feet, not necessarily in direct competition with Microsoft, but because I think Microsoft is moving their focus and their direction in a, in a better way towards the future of gaming. And I think Sony is sticking to the basics and to what they know and to how things have always been. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the next generation of consoles, um, Sony, at least from a technology standpoint or just a business model standpoint, is five, ten years behind Microsoft. That may not result in Microsoft taking over, becoming number one, uh, winning the console war. But I think it's um, I, I think I think Sony's share is only going to get smaller, but I don't know if it'll ever become number two really or we always forget about nintendo in this conversation and a, a lot of metrics nintendo is easily number one by a mile and sony and xbox are kind of just fighting it out on their own but again that's another conversation so we'll see if that sony game pass competitor gets announced next week and if it does we will talk about it then next story here is mass effect andromeda's five-year anniversary so this ha- is a topic that is interesting for me as as anyone who's been listening to the show knows for the last year or so in that um my first memory of andromeda is that it came out it had some issues 
to say the least. And the guy I work with, I just gave him crap because he tried to be like, well, yeah, it's got issues, but it's still pretty good. Like he was still kind of trying to, to, to be into it, you know? And, and I didn't know anything about mass effect at the time. I definitely didn't care about Andromeda. And I just remember giving him heck. Right. And so, um, so we know the story of Andromeda now, or at least more so than we did back then that it had a pretty tumultuous release, uh, or, or development, um, you know, people leaving people not being on the game that probably should have been, um, technology issues with them going from unreal to frostbite uh and and being the second ones to do that only uh inquisition was also probably in development when they started developing um andromeda and obviously there were still kinks to work out when it came out there are all kinds of issues with they switched like their animation software like pretty late in the game and that caused a lot of issues that the game is probably most famous for um and then uh after the game was out and they kind of fixed it up a little a little bit if you play andromeda today uh, there's a lot of like andromeda stands out there who will like really try to be like it's a great game now you should play it it's fixed it's not it's still a mess it's a shit show and a lot of its issues weren't bugs a lot of its issues were just kind of has no soul it has a lot of like busy work stuff in it that isn't very fun but it has some, there is some fun to be had. We'll talk about that. Um, and then they ended development on Andromeda before they did any DLCs, including a, um, a Korean arc, uh, DLC that was planned. That was pretty important to the story, um, as well as some other stuff. And, and this is always my favorite part about the story of Andromeda. The reason they ended Andromeda's development was drum roll. Bah, 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 bah. So they could focus on Anthem. <laughs> Anthem, we all know that uh, it was released, you know, a couple years after Andromeda, uh, and unfortunately met with a similar uh, death, uh, probably even worse. Honestly, uh, Anthem, uh, they 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 fixed it up a little bit, and then there was this all this hype about like, oh, they're gonna do a big Anthem 2.0. You know, they're going to fix everything. We're going to do a big thing. And then like a year and a half, two years after it came out, they put out a statement like, hey, we've decided not to do this big revamp of Anthem and we're kind of just going to let it die. Um, and since then, Bioware has been focusing primarily on Dragon Age 4, which went from a Anthem and Andromeda style like you know, multiplayer, live service, everything game that a couple years ago it got... Uh, they, they, they stopped, they, they basically redid everything and said, this is going to be a single player experience. We're just going to put out a good dragon age game, which is supposed to come out next year. We'll see moving it back to Andromeda. Um, Andromeda is interesting for me. Obviously before I played mass effect, I just thought of it as a joke. Um, last year after the mass effect legendary edition came out of the trilogy the remaster um, i played through i think two or three times and then i said hey you know i should check out andromeda and i played it i just kind of went in blind and played it and finished it did the final mission um didn't do a ton of the busy work 
and just had kind of a eh, experience with it. I didn't romance anyone. I didn't do any loyalty missions. I basically just golden pathed it straight through the story. And it was fine. Um, one thing I always find interesting is whenever Andromeda comes up, most Mass Effect fans will be like, wasn't a very good game, but its combat is great. Its combat sucks. It's Andromeda's combat is not good. Its movement has its moments. Um, but your actual controlling of the character is terrible. The gunplay feels awful. The AI is stupid. It's every time I see people talk about, oh, but the combat is great. It's not good. It's terrible. There's jump jets. You get jump jets. You can jump, which you couldn't do in Mass Effect Trilogy. You can jump and then you can jump again, basically. And it is cool. It, 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 it makes the game fun, especially if you do like CQC, like close up, like biotic builds or, you know, you know if you, and that's the other part of it is you aren't locked in the certain types of um, archetypes of characters where you basically any skill you want, you can use. You just have to put points into it. And, and you can have like, you can switch on the fly to different loadouts of it's, it's wild. It, it's an, it's a, it is a cool system. Um, so yeah, so my first experience with Andromeda sucked. I went back, played the trilogy a couple more times, and then I went back and I said, okay, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to see the way that people suggest playing Andromeda the right way. And what I basically gathered was you, you do the golden path you do the loyalty missions for all your crewmates who some of them are interesting and you romance someone. Um, and so I did that. I played, you know, obviously the main story. I spent a little bit more time crafting and like upgrading my armor and my guns, checking different guns out, seeing what I liked. Um, I did all of the loyalty missions, which are like most of them are pretty good. They're, they're pretty cool. Um, and I did a romance with, I believe it was Cora, was the character, um, which was probably a mistake in hindsight, but whatever. It was fine. It was okay. And that second playthrough left me with like, I think Andromeda is a, is a nice, solid 6 out of 10 game. I think if you're a Mass Effect fan, you should check it out. If it, if it, if it hits your fancy, then great. If you're not a Mass Effect fan if you can play it for free or for really cheap, if you like sci-fi space games, uh, it's okay. It's fine. Um, now there are like people who will like, Oh, I've seen people say that Andromeda is their favorite game in the whole series. I've seen people say that, you know, Oh, it's all fixed. And it's like a nine out of 10. Now I think those people are, delusional if I have to be completely frank. Um, but you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So it's, it's, I don't think Andromeda on its fifth anniversary, which is crazy is a bad game. It's just also not a great game. It's a game. It's there. It has enjoyable moments and it has enjoyable things. It also has a lot of really unenjoyable moments and a lot of really unenjoyable things. And so, um, yeah, Andromeda and Anthem, you know, depending on what happens to Bioware in the future, uh, those two games are going to have a very interesting place in the history. I really hope, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, actually next, um, we'll just jump into it. So there is an article. So Andromeda, the five year anniversary, cool. Play it if you want. If you don't, you're probably fine. 
but I read an article. I saw one pop up uh, on this anniversary that talked about uh, the, the title was Anthem's impact on Dragon Age 4 uh, in Mass Effect. And the article actually brings in, it brings up Andromeda as well, but it, it focuses on Anthem. And it's a very, um, I feel like it was kind of a glass half empty article. It, it was on Game Ramp. And um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I actually agreed with a lot of the points in it, but so my, my take on the whole Anthem and, and like where Bioware is going thing is I suspect that Dragon Age 4 is going to come out and it's going to be better than it would have been had Bioware not stopped, reevaluated, and then decided not to make this a, you know, a, a multiplayer, you know, live service game. I, I think it will be better off, but it probably will still have some troubles. Um, it's still on Frostbite. Um, it, 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 they, they've, they've lost you know multiple times pretty high up people in the leadership of the game um you know we haven't seen much of it and it's expected to come out probably within a year or year and a half and um it i still expect dragon age 4 to come out and be like pretty good um what it means for Mass Effect is, is harder to tell. I, I think a lot of people are looking forward to Dragon Age as kind of a thermometer to see where Mass Effect might land. I don't because I think that Dragon Age is still going to have the stain of Anthem and Andromeda a little bit, even if it's fairly minimal. Um, I think that Mass Effect will be the first game that they release since those games that could you know, finally get rid of that smell. Right. Um, maybe, you know, it's hard to tell, but, um, I, I would like to think that Anthem and Andromeda were kind of a reality check for EA, for Bioware, for, um, the industry the people working at Bioware, especially of like, Hey, we need to do things different. And so far they've, walk the walk you know they, they they talked a lot about you know taking their time and and, and and you know revamping these games to make them more what they should be it seems like ea after uh, games like the star wars game and some others have finally acknowledged that like single player games you know can still be a good thing in their portfolio and um and hopefully uh the dragon age 4 game coming and the mass effect game coming many years from now will benefit from that uh the failures of anthem and andromeda probably a fairly quick one here but uh there's a story and a big announcement uh this week of ubisoft planner planar planar i don't know uh that they announced it it's i a lot of people seem to to feel like they know exactly what this is i don't um it's being led up by ubisoft stockholm which if you're a division fan uh originally um this is where hamish left and that's where he's working now is with this ubisoft stockholm team um it seems like it's supposed to be some type of tech um or some type of development tool that um is going to be heavily um like cloud-based uh the whole idea that it was pushing was like We'll have unlimited power and unlimited resources to make our games and for you to play them. 
Um, I, after the way things have been the last couple of years, uh, felt like this was like they were talking about the metaverse without talking about the metaverse. And so um, I'm curious to how that will play out in the long run. Um, but overall, it seems like it's supposed to be some type of thing where like, say uh, you're playing on a PlayStation 5 and they're trying to do stuff with their game, like the size of the world or whatever, that like even your PlayStation 5 can't handle, that it's going to be something like this. So I don't know if it's supposed to be like a streaming platform or some type of hybrid thing where there'll be some resources on your console and then it will stream other stuff. That's how the Division 1 and 2 works, if you don't know. There's a lot of data and a lot of stuff that happens server side that then gets transmitted to the game. Uh, and that's caused some of the issues they've had so uh, i'm kind of curious how they how they address that if that's what this is but yeah i read everything i watched the video i still don't really know what the hell this is uh and the way that they were so loud about it but didn't say that much always kind of rubs me the wrong way and kind of makes me like just kind of nod and smile like okay i'll worry about that when uh, i think that there's actually something to think about but I don't know had a big colorful trailer i just i still think that ubisoft is in a weird situation where they can put out all this new tech and they can do all these cool new things um they can get in the nfts and do all this stuff but man it would be great if they could put out one compelling game if if literally any of their uh ips right now were interesting um and i didn't say sell well most of their ips sell well but I, I, I find it really hard to believe that there's anyone in the general gaming public who is like, damn, I cannot wait for that next Ubisoft game, whatever it is. Um, obviously, there's diehard fans and star players and, and stuff who are like obsessed with Ubisoft somehow still, um, who are like waiting with bated breath for whatever they bring out next. Um I mean, I'm not excited about the next Assassin's Creed, which sounds like it's going to be a live service uh, thing that will just they'll release it and then they'll just keep adding to it because that's what Ubisoft does now. Uh, I can't say I'm that excited about the Division Heartland or honestly, even the Division 2 content at this point. It's been so long that I'll just be excited when it exists. Um, I'm not excited about the next Far Cry. Uh, they're god they're doing a stranger things crossover because ubisoft can't come up with any ideas themselves but man they love doing crossovers um i just there's like i saw a rumor about a um oh what was the gods and monsters renamed to uh but that that spinoff that they uh their double a game that they use from assassin's creed odyssey um uh, you know, I'm talking about the gods of monsters game, that God's name, name changed. Uh, that sequel is maybe the most interesting thing that I could see coming from Ubisoft anytime soon. Uh, the division three, obviously for me, would be a big deal, but that is like so far away. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not coming anytime soon. So cool. Ubisoft plan R, whatever you are, I can't wait to meet you. Uh, the next story is one that kind of made me chuckle. Uh, there's a bunch of stories and tweets and stuff about uh, DICE is working on the next game after BF2042. And my response to that is, yeah, uh, duh. 
When do you think they started working on 2042? Do you think they waited for six years after Battlefield 5 came out? No. Battlefield 5 came out and they sent a team probably almost immediately to start doing concepts and prototypes on 2042. Now, what they did is a whole different conversation and story for sure. But uh, yeah, like people acting surprised that they're working, that they're already looking ahead. This is how games work, especially AAA studios. You make a game, you finish it, you ship it. A team sticks with the game to fix stuff and make more content. And then another team moves on to the next project because you're looking at four or five years until that comes out. And so if you want it to come out in four or five years and not six or seven or eight years, you need to start now. And that's how it works. Um, now, this has brought up some rumors and some speculation that 2042 won't get that much more support. Definitely possible. They cut Battlefield 5 support short, which was a huge bummer um, because I really wanted to see they, they the way they did Battlefield 5, which was a World War II game, is when it released, it was supposed to be like the early parts of the war. So like the weapons, the tanks, the maps, everything was like early World War II, which was like a lot of late World War One stuff, which coincidentally, they had just finished a World War One game. Hmm. I wonder if they use some of those resources to, to make that game anyways. Like they never really got to releasing the like mid to late World War II tech and weapons and all that, which is like the best part of World War II games is the like late war tech and vehicles and stuff like that. And then they just stopped making content <laughs> so they could focus on 2042. If you're seeing a pattern here, you're a very smart person. Um, and so 2042 is probably going to get that treatment it, with, with the issues it's had. The fact that it seems like it's almost guaranteed that 2042 was probably supposed to be a battle royale game of some type that they very late in development decided not to do. And the conquest side of the game suffered greatly from it and has and will probably never recover player base wise. Um, I love 2042. I think it's a really fun game to play, but it's obvious that something went very wrong in development and they had no content to put out. They still haven't put out anything significant. Um, they've had to delay stuff multiple times. So yeah, they're working on the next battlefield. Welcome to game development, <laughs> especially for games that come out like 2042. Uh, next story is uh, Humanoid Studios. Uh, it finally is at least talked a little bit about their new game. So Humanoid Studios, if you're a Mass Effect fan, uh, you will know is a new studio by Casey Hudson, uh, who is the creator of the Mass Effect series of the IP. Um, Casey's story was kind of interesting. He was with Bioware and then he left and then he came back um, a couple years ago. Uh, and this was a, this was after Andromeda. And a lot of people were like, oh, Casey's back. So they're going to make a new Mass Effect game. Uh, and then he left not very long after he came. Now, uh, that was also, he, uh, I believe he left right after they announced this Mass Effect game currently in development, um, or it was in that window. And my speculation has been that, um, he was always planning on making his own studio, this humanoid studio. Um, but my guess is that while that was in the works, Bioware was like, Hey, please come consult with us. Help us get, you know, after post Andromeda, help us put mass effect back on track and, and, and help us do a lot of concepts and prototyping and pre-production just to kind of, you know, help us get our head straight again. You're an OG 
you know, help us out. And I think that's what he did. And then when, you know, everything was set up for his new studio, he left. And then that happened. Um, unfortunately, Humanoid has stolen a few of the really prolific people at, from Bioware um, who worked on the Mass Effect games, especially two and three, uh, and even the Legendary Edition. He's grabbed some people. Um, including the pretty legendary voice director from Bioware, who's now with Humanoid, uh, who, you know, if you watch any of the big um, get-togethers with the cast, uh, the voice acting cast, uh, they love this lady. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I suspect that, that voice-over directors are a little more replaceable than you may think, but it definitely seems like losing this lady uh, to Humanoid was a big deal. So... Uh, so humanoids new game they, they've shown some concept art and it is very very mass effecty um uh, there, there's a few pieces of concept art you can look up and you can go to their website and see some stuff about it all um they uh you know it's not that surprising if they would make a mass effect ish game it definitely seems like it's set in space uh, there are no aliens shown um the only other creatures that you really see are this like super duper gigantic skull of some humanoid type creature that uh, a couple of little humans appear to be examining. Um, but other than that, it does have more of like a fantasy vibe than I say like Mass Effect does. Um, and so I suspect they'll go into something. I, I'm not expecting this game to be a copy of Mass Effect. I suspect it'll be something fairly different, but maybe, uh, you know, adjacent. Um, but it's exciting. Um, more good games of this style great hopefully starfield is awesome the next mass effect is great this humanoid studio game is great you know uh, we can never have too many good games uh the next story here is the second to last one is stalker 2 so we've talked a lot about stalker 2 it's developed by a studio who is based in ukraine uh so as we've you know, mentioned before, and I'm sure you've seen it around. The war is still raging pretty heavily in Ukraine. Um, and uh, a week or two ago, the developers came out and said, "Hey, obviously we're suspending our uh, development of Stalker 2. It had just it had been delayed fairly recently to I think November or December of 2022." I think it's pretty obvious that this game is going to be probably delayed another six months to a year. I would expect it to not even earliest come uh, mid 2023 or late 2023. Um, but we did get some development that they are moving their studio to the Czech Republic. Um, it, it, from what I can tell, it seems like most of their developers are able to get out of the country and are safe. And, uh, you know, that I, I, I can't imagine they would be like trying to restart their operations um, if people weren't OK and safe and they didn't have most of their uh, staff available. But, yeah, so Stalker 2 is restarting development. And um, I just can't even begin to imagine trying to get back onto this kind of a project when everything that's going on their their homes their home country their colleagues their friends their family um their country um is going through what it's going through right now but um uh, you know all the power to them i i wish them a lot of luck and uh, i wish all of the luck to ukraine and all of their heroes fighting there the final story is about furry controllers 
So I guess to coincide with the upcoming Sonic 2 movie, which I've heard the first one was actually pretty good. Uh, Xbox is doing a contest or a giveaway where they're giving away Xbox controllers covered in red or blue fur. Um, if you haven't seen these, you should look them up. They are awful. They look disgusting. They're also kind of cool. I have to admit, but yeah, um, I don't know. You just have to see it for yourself. I, I suggest checking it out. I, I think the, the conversation originally is I think people thought these were going to be like sold uh, for the average consumer. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, I, I suspect these controllers aren't meant to be played with. Um, the, the fur would collect grease and dust and other gross stuff really quickly. And I suspect there's not an easy way to clean these. Um, I, I suspect if you win one of these, you put it in a little shadow box or whatever, but I don't know. Fun story, but kind of gross too. Now we are going to move on to listener questions. We have a couple here from master prime on Twitter. Um, thoughts on the halo TV show. It's the first question. Um, I haven't seen it admittedly. Um, I've seen the reviews. It seems like it's got a big old, it's got like big old six and a half or seven out of 10. Um, and that's fine. A lot of game related media sucks, TV shows and movies. What's interesting is it sounds like that they're basically like reinterpreting Halo, which is, is probably a good thing. Um, I think with video games, the medium is so dependent on your interaction and you feeling involved that then when they make a TV show or a movie where you are not interacting and you are not involved, if they try to do everything the same and try to evoke those same feelings, they just, they can't, they, they can't, it's impossible. And so, I mean, you're, I'm talking about like master chief takes his helmet off, like early in the first episode of the series. Uh, th there's just all kinds of stuff that isn't the same. Um, which is fine. I think that's actually probably a good idea. I've also seen some complaints about the quality of it. I mean, it's a, it's a Paramount TV show. It, it's, it's not going to have a movie budget for every episode. Um, it, it's going to be what it is and, and that's okay. And, uh, it sounds like it's mostly acceptable. It sounds like it's very gory. It's very brutal. Uh, apparently there's a scene at the beginning of the, of the sh first episode where the covenant aliens attack a human colony. And it's not like in the games where they like shoot them and they fall over. Like they're like ripping people apart and blowing people up. And apparently it's like extremely graphic and like kind of disturbing. And, uh, and that's cool because, uh, really the games probably undersell how brutal and how awful these aliens would be to fight like as a normal human being. Right. So, um, it, it sounds like it's fine. It, it's not a bad venture. I saw a, uh, an article pop up about, um, the, 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 the mass effect TV show is in trouble because of halo. It's like, uh, Amazon is doing the Mass Effect show, supposedly. Um, Amazon has multiple great shows just by them. Reacher was a bit cheesy, but it was great. The two seasons of Horizon are awesome. Or Horizon. Uh, of Jack Reacher. I don't know why I said Horizon. Um, yeah, I've been impressed with Amazon so far. Um, 
I'm not going to take the kind of cheesiness of the Halo show as anything too scary. I, I suspect it'll be fine. Um, your second uh, second question from Master Prime is, are remasters, remakes, and re-releases suffocating gaming releases? I think we're seeing uh, a similar trend in gaming as we're seeing in movies to a point where it's just cheaper and it's a higher guarantee um, to do a remake, to make a sequel or a prequel. Um, and I don't know if it's a bad thing necessarily, but it can and it probably will overstay its welcome, right? So I, I don't think it's uh, like, obviously I'm biased. Uh, the, the remake or remaster, I think is a better term for the Mass Effect game last year, gave me... Uh, uh, my favorite new franchise. I, I, you know, I, I'm 10 plus years late to mass effect and that remaster showed me a game that I missed when it came out originally. And I got to play it 10 plus years later and it's now my favorite. So I, I can't, it's hard for me to say like that these are bad when they have provided me so much joy in the last year. Um, but I think that there's a line and that we're probably getting close to it because uh, one topic that just drives me nuts every time it pops up. And this is a, uh, a division exclusive rant, but I see people almost weekly suggesting a division one remaster. The division one runs at 4k 60 FPS on Xbox series X. Maybe yes, probably not. At the very least, on the Series 1X, it runs at 4K, 30 FPS. Uh, on the PS5, I assume it's probably 4K, 30 FPS as well. Um, it gets, uh, I don't know if they did, no, no they did, uh, for, P, for, for TD1, they're using FPS boost on the Xbox to get 60, so it's probably not PS5, regardless. It's six years old that the division one does not need a remaster. And what's so frustrating about that is, and it's with other remasters that people are asking for and stuff too, is do you really want a remaster of a game that wasn't received very well, still has a lot of issues, or would you just want another game? Like in the divisions case, a division three would be so much more profitable for Ubisoft and would be better for the franchise, especially if it's a reboot or if it's uh, experiences a big genre change or some kind of big changes than a remaster of a game that wasn't received well ended up being really good, but not really so good. It needs to be remade, right? So yeah, the, the, the remaster remake thing, it's just a fine line, man. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to find that line. Um, okay. So uh, thank you for the question. If you have any questions, uh, you can leave them in the YouTube comments on my Twitter and the discord, wherever you want, I will try to find them. And, uh, you can even leave if you go to the anchor page, anchor.fm for uh, slash the echo cast, you can leave a voice message that if I, I can put it into the show. So if you want to ask a question via voice, you can do that. The link for that is also in the description of the podcast for content updates and other stuff. Um, 
this week signified the four-year anniversary of the EchoCast. Uh, so the EchoCast began uh, in 2018, um, slightly before I believe the the the, um, the Division Two uh, announcement. Uh, before I got picked as a star player, before I went to E3, before Division Two came out, um, and it started off as a division-focused uh, podcast. And it stayed that way for, I don't know, two, two and a half years ish. Uh, and then I transitioned it to what it is now that talks about the division a lot, talks about mass effect a lot now, but tries to cover a broad variety of topics. And, um, you know, our listenership, um, has varied, but has been pretty consistent, uh, for full disclosure. Um, this show gets between 150 and 200 listens, uh, per episode, which, is fine with me. Um, I suspect that when the division two content comes out and when heartland comes out, we'll probably see a little bump and we will be covering those pretty exclusively. Um, not exclusively we'll cover everything, but we'll talk about them a lot. Right. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I just, I really appreciate anyone who's ever listened to the podcast. Um, I extra appreciate those who still do. Um, this is a thing. I don't make any money off this podcast anymore. I used to have a Patreon. I used to um, have ads on the podcast, uh, that made a decent amount of money. And I cut those out. Um, uh, not really because of opportunity. I could get ads still, but, um, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, this is a really nice hobby. It's a good opportunity for me to, uh, you know, get all these things out of my head once a week. And if a few hundred people want to listen and hang out, and talk about games uh and hear what i have to say about stuff or maybe learn some stuff from me that's what it's all about so thank you for listening thank you for continuing to listen and uh yeah four years man it's crazy this is the 178th episode that's uh, a lot of the podcasts don't make it that long most don't and uh so i uh, especially solo podcasts um, I'm very proud of this. Uh, and I think my limit would be like 50 listeners. If we ever dropped below 50 an episode, I would probably call it quits then. And we are nowhere near that. So you're stuck with me. Uh, the second bit here is I do have two new mass effect videos on my YouTube. If you want to check those out, the first one is these like top 10 list of things I want to see in the next game. Uh, and then just uh, today I released another one about um when i think the next mass effect game could release um i you know when division stuff comes out i would love to do division videos again if there's other games that catch my eye and i want to talk about them i'll do videos or reviews or whatever about that um, but that's just not really the case right now right now i want to speculate about mass effect and maybe do some like uh, deeper thoughts in the Mass Effect trilogy and Andromeda. Uh, and if other stuff comes up, we'll talk about it. We'll do videos. Uh, but for right now, we're kind of a Mass Effect YouTube channel. So uh, if you want to find that, it's just YouTube. Uh, search for Bond Diesel and you will find my channel and uh, more videos than you probably think. Uh, I have a lot of videos for someone with 1600 subs <laughs> uh, and, and that's fine. Again, it's for the fun. It's for the love. And that's where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for checking out the podcast. And if you want more, be sure to like this video. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel on any platform, be notified of new videos hitting 
my YouTube by hitting that bell and check out my uh, other content, streams, podcasts, videos, Twitter. I don't know if that's content. You can find me all over the internet uh, as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, and on Twitch. Please check out my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the links in the description below and on my Twitter. That's all I have. So until next time.